Today we're going to take a look at some news and notes throughout the organization, throughout the offseason. Uh, some rumors too, some players that the Tigers were linked to, some players that the Tigers reportedly are linked to. Uh, yeah, other news and notes. Just catch up today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, January 6th, 2022. Thank you for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. All right, so as stated in the cold open, today's show is going to be catching up on some news and notes and rumors, etc., throughout the Tigers offseason. Uh, we're going to start with, well, we I, I guess we kind of have a, a grab bag of stuff to talk about. So uh, we have one former Tiger that has signed elsewhere that I want to discuss because there was a chance that he was going to come back still, but not on the 40-man roster. We'll get to that here in a second. That'll probably be what we start with. Then we have a player that has signed elsewhere that reportedly the Tigers were in on. And we're not going to talk about necessarily that player specifically in the I mean, we will, but the, the ramifications that come with that signing specifically. But I think it is intriguing in the sense of like the fit. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, and then there is a player that presumably will be available to acquire that the Tigers are reportedly in on. And so we're going to talk about what a, it's a trade, not a free agent signing. So we'll talk about what it might take to land that one. So uh, let's start with Kyle Funkhauser. All right, Kyle Funkhauser has officially signed a minor league deal with the Texas Rangers. Funky, funky. You know, Kyle Funkhauser was somebody that in 2021 was one of the many bright spots of the 2021 season, right? Team that overperformed what most people thought and he was definitely one of those pieces that people were really excited about and, and really, I guess, proud of after the season of, of just like, you know what, this dude really did very, very well for this team. And and that's obviously very true. He had a really solid year. Um, 2022 was a weird one. He didn't pitch a single inning. He missed the entire season due to injury. And it, it was just, it was strange because like he, came into camp in 2022 and like we didn't hear anything about an injury and obviously the lockout and stuff really screwed a lot of people up but he came into the season and then in the spring we we're like okay we're shutting him down like completely and he's gonna miss the start of the season we we're like all right you know that's gonna happen with I we Cisnero was in that boat uh Chafin got COVID at one point like we were like okay like coming back from the lockout you know there might be a lot of injuries at the start of the season but whatever we'll be fine Michael Pineda was um like had like a, a visa problem or something and and he so we had a lot of players that were already kind of we were like okay at the beginning of the season this probably isn't going to be great but then it just kept getting then he got moved to the 60 day IL and we were like okay that's kind of concerning but whatever and then we just never heard an update. 
there was no update about Funkhauser for a majority of the season. And then at like the halfway point when everything was terrible and going horribly, they were like, yeah, he's probably just going to stay on there. And then we just didn't really get any updates. He just never came off the IL and he just missed the entire season. And I, I don't think anybody in March or April or even May was looking at the Kyle Funkhauser situation and going like, this dude's not going to pitch it all this year. But that's what ended up happening. And so it, it was the, the decision to not bring him, to non-tender him, I don't think is a ridiculous decision or a dumb decision. He's going to be 29, and he had one solid major league season, right? Like he debuted in 2020, was not very good out of the pen, and, you know, before 2020, wasn't a major league baseball player. So uh, for a guy that's pushing 30, he's going to be 29 next year. For a dude that's pushing 30 years old, has one good season in, in relief under his belt, and is coming off of an injury that sidelined him for the entire season. I, I mean, I don't blame the Tigers for, for moving on. However, his 2021 was encouraging enough to where when we non-tendered him, I would have been in favor of the Tigers bringing him back on a minor league deal like the Rangers just signed him to. Not a 40-man roster. Well, you can give him an invite to spring training or whatever, sure, but not a 40-man roster spot, not a major league roster spot, just a, maybe a minor league deal with an invite to spring or a 40-man invite come March, right? I, I wouldn't have been against that. It was a, it was a promising, solid, barrel-missing season. Um, when looking at Funkhauser and, and the type of pitcher that he was in 2021, he solid fastball. I mean, lower mid nineties fastball solid. The changeup was, was a pretty solid pitch too, but the biggest thing was just the development of the slider. He was pretty much a two pitch pitcher in 2021, uh, through the changeup 8% of the time. That was the third pitch. So less than 10%, but 62% fastball, 30% slider. Makes up 92% of his entire repertoire there. So the the slider was a really good development piece for him. And uh, he started throwing it a lot more, and he was really effective with it. And the, the thing about him out of the pen was he wasn't a big strikeout guy. Like, he, he wasn't a, a insanely high K number, uh, had a... 8.3 K per nine and a five walk per nine. Like that's not fantastic. He didn't give up very many homers and he didn't give up very much hard contact, which is what made him so valuable, but didn't have a 31st percentile in K percentage, eighth in walk percentage, had really high walk numbers. Uh, didn't get chases on the slider. It was a barrel missing pitch, not a bat missing pitch, right? We talked about that over and over again in the regular season how they're, they're, I kind of divide every pitch, the quality of every pitch into four categories. You have doesn't miss anything, misses barrels, misses bats, misses bats foolishly. That's the right. So he, he was missing barrels, which is a, a good thing. That's a good skill to have that can make you a lot of money in this game. And it's something that every team could always use. I mean, one of our best pitchers is more of a barrel missing guy than a bat missing guy in Erod. So, uh, not a slight at all, but 
for coming out of the pen, I mean, if, if you're not going to strike out very many hitters and you're going to walk quite a few hitters, uh, you need to be elite consistently at missing barrels. And while he certainly was elite, I mean, 92nd percentile in barrel percentage in 2021, he was elite or at worst borderline elite at missing barrels in, in you know, two years ago now, two seasons ago now, rather. Uh, I, I'm okay with not putting, you know, all the cookies in that jar and letting him go. But if they did bring him back, I wouldn't have been against it either. So kind of a weird profile. Uh, definitely a guy that at one point people thought was going to be a starter when he was in the minors. And then, uh, between injuries and just like, honestly, just not being very effective as a starter at the minor league level by the end of it, uh, trying to move him to the pen and, and really seemed like he found a home there in, in 2021 out of the pen. But there's also some other underlying stats that maybe are, I don't know if concerning might be too dramatic of a word, but his ERA at home versus the road is one of the most insane things I've ever seen. His, let me find it here. I have his month by month splits too, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but his home versus road splits in 2021, Pretty much the same amount of innings. 36 innings at home, 32 innings on the road. He had a 1.0 ERA at home. Unbelievable, right? A whip of 1.056, an ERA of 1. Very solid. On the road, he had an ERA of 6.12. Again, that's pretty much the same amount of innings and almost the same amount of games played and the same amount of appearances as well. One versus six, one, two. Very, very different. And then when you take a look at the month to month splits, we kind of talked about it during the season. If you were a listener of this show back in the second half of 2021, uh, but he was also a guy that for the first four months of the season had sub four ERA stuff every single month. And then in September, October, just completely blew up and then had like a six and a half ERA at the end of the season and like a two whip. So uh, some maybe some arm fatigue already starting at the end of 21. Didn't pitch at all in 22. Uh, wish him the best of luck. Not losing sleep over not bringing him back. But I know I, I just wanted to go and really do like a deep dive on him because I know that so many people – uh, when we did not tender him, we were like, oh, wait, but he can like come back. And this is why we should bring him back and whatnot. And again, I wouldn't have been against it. I'm not going to lose over lose any sleep over him leaving either. So Kyle Funkhauser officially no longer a part of the Detroit Tigers organization. Signs a minor league deal with the Texas Rangers. Let's get into some other uh, interesting news and interesting news and notes around the Tigers. Like I said, we got some uh, some trade stuff to go over that I think is is interesting to talk about. And wow, I really like the word interesting today. That's super rare for me. And then we have, yeah, trade stuff, free agent stuff, all that. We'll do that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Built Bar. You got to try Built Bar. It's the best. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, you have to try it. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal for this next year, I was almost said season, this next year is to eat a little healthier. And if you're like me, you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then I have the perfect thing for, do, for you. It is Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. They're so delicious, you won't even know they're good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. For starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. 
real chocolate, a hundred percent. They have incredible flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bill does it, but these bars taste like candy bars while maintaining the amazing macros. Only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. You don't need to wait around to get a box now either. For finally. Built has got a deal with Walmart and Sam's Club. That's right. You can head to your nearest Walmart today. Go to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-box cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs, a four-bar box. Or you can go into Sam's Club and grab a 13-bar box with a ton of their hit flavors, brownie batter, churro, like I said earlier. Thank me later and go check out Built Bar today. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two, Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. For your next listen, check on the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like us. Okay, what do we want to do next? Let's talk Gene Segura. We'll save uh, the, the trade one for last. So let's talk – I it's so – I. Try to act like I'm keeping it a surprise, and I'm like, oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. And then I remember that I literally have to write a title and a description to this episode, and the names are going to be in that. So I don't know why I'm trying to like hide this like it's a big secret of who we're going to talk about, because you already know. Let's talk Gene Segura, though. Uh, it was reported that Gene Segura had contact with the Detroit Tigers, and there was some interest there. Um, the reason why I bring this up and the reason that we're spending any more than just like 30 seconds talking about this is just the, the fit of this, right? Gene Segura, good ball player, right? Would have helped this team would have been a, a fine signing. Absolutely. Um, signs for what? Two years, 17 mil in Miami. So, uh, for what, if you think that the Tigers should have matched that, whatever, that was the contract. He's 32 years old. He will be 33 by the start of next season. He has been in Philly for the last four years. His war by season in Philly is 1.7, 1.1, but that was 2020. 3.4 in 2021, and then 1.7 this past season. Has a couple of three and a half. He has a four-win season in 2018. Really good in Seattle. Uh, his one year with the Diamondbacks in 2016, he had a six-win season. Uh, but he was that was back when he was 26 years old. So, wow, 25 career war for Gene Segura. Good for him, man. Gosh, I did not realize that. Good for him. That's awesome. Four win season as a rookie. 25 career war for Gene Segura on Fangraphs. Good for him, man. That's a that's a dang good career. Gene Segura at one point was viewed as a pretty highly regarded prospect. Um. And I, I think for a little bit there, especially when he was with Milwaukee, kind of in his mid-20s, people brushed him aside and were like, oh, the, you know, bust. He didn't live up to the expectations or whatnot. But like a 25 career war and, you know, still playing, still has a chance to get a two-and-a-half, three-win season this year. Could play until he's 35, 36. He could retire with over 30 wins, man. That's a darn good career. Good for Gene Segura. Okay, anyway. So – as far as the fit with the Tigers, that's the only reason I'm even bringing this up is because of that. Gene Segura has played a lot of middle infield in his career. 
And that's not to say that he hasn't played some third base too, because he obviously has. But the third base, all he's only played third base one season, and it was in the shortened 2020 season. That's it. The only time he's ever played third base at the major league level was for 180 innings in 2020 isolated alone. No other year of his life as, as he played third at the major league level. Now, he was slightly above average, around net zero, but just barely above uh, a net zero defender, a positive defender at third in that 2020 season. But for the most part, he has 3,300 career innings at second base. He has almost 8,000 career innings at shortstop. So for the most part, you're talking about putting him somewhere in the middle infield. Now, we understand, no matter your opinion on the matter, that Javi Baez is going to be this team's opening day shortstop in 2023. And he's going to be the shortstop, assuming health, for the entire season. So that would presumably start a conversation about Gene Segura at second, which then presumably would start a conversation about Jonathan Scope moving to third. This is something that we've talked about briefly in the past, in the past, like this offseason. But I think now is the time to maybe hit it on the head a little bit more just because of rumors like this. So there's a very, very solid chance that this conversation is null and that Scott Harris, when he called Gene Segura's agent, said, I want him to play third base for this team in 2023. (coughs) Excuse me. And that none of this matters. Okay. That's a very real possibility. You might even think that's a likely possibility. Sure. It might be. So I'm going to start and preface this with that. Very real chance. He was just asked to play third base for the Tigers. But there's also a very real non-zero chance that he was asked to play second base. And last time we talked about this, I said that this didn't really matter too much to me. Like the stopgap, short-term, second baseman thing doesn't really make sense to me because then you just have a whole long-term at third, just like you do currently at second because Jonathan Scope's not going to be on this team after 2023, maybe even after July of 2023. So that that's what we had. We had this conversation last time. That was kind of the point that I drove home. And I think that this kind of opens up the idea for other players, whether it is free agents or whether it is trade candidates like we'll talk about in segment three. I think that this does slightly open up the door for a conversation of, okay, maybe the Tigers aren't afraid at least to bring in a second baseman and move Jonathan Scope to third. I also, we also have to remember that this team, I know the prospect rankings don't have the Tigers as some juggernaut of a farm system. I understand that. But this team has infield depth at the prospect level. And I'm not saying that this front office is just looking at the farm system right now and going, you know what, the third baseman of the future is 100% in this organization, and we don't need to get a third baseman. We'll just see what we have in Ryan Kreidler and and, uh, Henry Malloy, and and we'll see what we have in those guys, and and we'll see if they uh, can can turn out, whether it's at third or another position, and we'll just give them a ton of at-bats and see what we have with them 
And it doesn't really matter what happens just in this one-year vacuum because in the future, we have Colt Keith. We have Isaac Pacheco. So, like, that, that's, that, that might be the reality of the situation. That might be. So I guess that's my point, is just that when looking at the players that the Tigers are linked to or are going to be linked to or have been linked to, etc., seeing somebody that does play, like he wasn't going to play shortstop here. And on he hasn't played shortstop consistently since 2019. So like that, like he, he was never going to play shortstop here. But in the last two seasons, he's been a primary, primarily second baseman and has been a positive defender, honestly, a big-time positive defender at second base as well. And so I think that that kind of opens up the conversation for a little bit more than maybe I agree. This is a me thing. Maybe then I gave it credit for initially of like, hey, Jonathan Scope might be legitimately looked at at third base. And it might be because the Tigers just don't care about short-term third base like we thought they did. Like I thought they did, maybe. I'm not going to speak for y'all. But they, they, they might not care about it because they might think that somebody in the organization already is, is the third baseman of the future. And if they're not saying that, this was, I think, the original point I was trying to make, and I went on a tangent there, so my bad. But even if they're not thinking that, they at least then can try Scopey at third and see what happens. And I don't – like I – I don't believe Jonathan Scope's going to be on this team past 2023. So I guess my, my point is not that they're going to try Scope at third and he's going to be great and they're going to extend him. But maybe just it gives you another year to then go out externally and find the third baseman. I don't know what the future of third base looks like. I don't. I hope it's Colt Keith. I really do because I think he's unbelievably talented. But I, I, I don't know. And I guess my my the, just the point that I'm trying to make is – Maybe they don't care about short-term third base. And maybe there is some faith that the third baseman of the future is is somewhere at some level of the minor leagues in this organization right now. Maybe it's Henry Malloy. I, I mean, there's nothing that says that Malloy can't just rake in the spring and earn himself a roster spot. And the Tigers look around and go, well, it's Henry Malloy or it's Ryan Kreidler at third on opening day. Let's throw, let's throw Henry Malloy out there and see what happens. That could, that could be a thing too. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the future of third looks like. And every day it seems less and less likely that the Tigers are going to add someone externally to play third base and we've already talked about that this front office seems to be really contingent on playing youth and seeing what they have in a lot of these prospects so that they can kind of gather a long-term plan through that. Um, I, I mean, they have guys like Andre Lipschius. Lipschius, I can pretty much promise you, is not going to be the opening day starter at third base. But, I mean, if, if the other options aren't working, maybe he gets a call-up quickly if he's doing well in Toledo to start off the season. Like, they're, they're – there are a lot of short-term things you can do internally. And I guess maybe this Gene Segura linked to the Tigers thing is just kind of a, sending a message of the short-term doesn't really matter to us. We'll just throw scope over there if worse comes to worse. 
I don't know. It's a weird situation. But that was the first thing that came to my mind when I heard about it. I was like, maybe they just don't care about the short-term third base. Which also, I guess, could just mean that they're not going to go out and, and really attack third base, period. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, the third base market sucks. Let's just look at middle infield. And then if we land one of those guys, we can move scope over there. I don't know. We'll see. Obviously something we will keep tabs on here every single day because that's what we do. All right, let's talk about the trade rumor for the Tigers. All right, let's do that, and we'll do that right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back. Third and final segment here at Locked On Tigers. I really hope the end of that segment made even a lick of sense. That was, I, I could feel myself going down like an ADHD path that my brain does and it, it might have just been word vomit there for a couple of minutes but um i i, I just i i really do think that the 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 more that we're linked to players that don't primarily play third base like we're about to do again here in a second uh the more that i'm thinking that they might just punt on third base in 2023 and and start trying to game plan for what third base looks like after 2023 because uh, if this season's not going to be good anyway, who even cares about filling the position? Or not who cares. That's probably too dramatic. But let's give chances to players internally and see if any of them can take it and run with it rather than bring in an external short-term gap option. Okay. Last piece of news. The Tigers have been linked uh, to Eduardo Escobar of the New York Mets. Now, this is a rumor. This is a, a, a rumor's rumor, okay? So uh, we might find out in a couple of weeks that there was like zero merit to this. It, it might end up being nothing at all. That's absolutely a possibility. But as it stands right now and just some rumors that are swirling around social media, it sounds like assuming the Correa deal goes through, the Tigers have shown interest or are said to have interest in Eduardo Escobar of the New York Mets. Who is Eduardo Escobar? That's a great question. He's a pretty good ball player. So the last couple of years, his war by season, 2021, 2.6, 2022 was 2.3. 2020 doesn't count in my eyes. Uh, 2018, three and a half win season, 2019, a three win season. So, you're getting uh, somewhere between a two and three-ish, give or take half a win, maybe on either end, win player. This past season, he hit pretty well. Kind of a, a low-key like power threat that I think not enough people give him credit for. I'm not saying he's going to hit 30-plus here, but uh, had 20-plus home runs, excluding 2020, which again doesn't count. He's had at least 20 homers every year since 2017. I'm not sure people really would have labeled Eduardo Escobar as that much of a consistent power threat if you had asked them. Uh, but 21, 23, 35, 28, and 20 home runs uh, every year since 2017, excluding 2020. So, uh, so some pretty solid seasons in there. Has average walk numbers, about 7% in his career, about a 20% K rate in his career. Not incredibly high, not incredibly low. 
career splits, 254 average, 308 on base percentage, 435 slug. It's pretty solid. It's an OPS in the mid 700s there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, this is a this, this is a solid ball player, and and if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that I am just desperately asking for like solid ball players. I'm not I'm not on my hands and knees begging for like eight, nine, ten win players. I this is a whole tangent I went on back in I don't know if anybody remembers it back in maybe October, maybe like right when the season ended. Somewhere around then. Like, I am just desperately asking for just some two to three win players. Just give me some solid. Let's look at the war leaders for the Tigers last season. The The team leader was Tarek Skubal at 2.9. Tarek Skubal didn't play a lot of the season and led the team in war in two, with 2.9. Javi Baez was around two. Jonathan Scope was one and a half. Those are your top three leaders in Fangraph's war. Jonathan Scope was a liability at the plate and had the third highest war on your team. That's because A, the team was awful, and B, he was really good defensively. That cannot happen. So, yes, he's going to be 34 years old next year. And he's not going to be an option that you pencil into the Tigers lineup for the next three, four, five years. But he certainly, well, I guess let's talk about his fit. He's played every single position on the baseball diamond at some point in his career. Whether it's for an out or whether it's a couple of hundred innings, he has he has played every single, all nine positions at the major league level which is kind of cool, but we're not here for cool. We're here for productive. (laughs) Second base is a position that he has played in the past, did not play this most recent season very much, but in 2021 and 2019, played over 230 innings in each of those seasons. At third base, he has almost 6,000 innings recorded at third base in his career, over 1,000 this past season. Now, the interesting thing about this then becomes he has some sizable time at shortstop back when he was younger too with Minnesota. I'm sure a lot of Tigers fans remember him uh, with the Twins back in the day. And so the the thing that I want to highlight with this is, A, he is not a bad corner outfielder. He has some decent numbers at corner outfield for whatever that's worth. Now that's, you know, four or five years removed, so I'm not saying we're going to play him in the outfield, but just something to keep in the back of your head. Third base is presumably what we would be bringing him in to do. Like I said, a 1,000 innings last season – uh, over a thousand innings in 2018 and 2019, respectively, in or at third base, rather. The defensive numbers, however, have slowly been declining, and this past season really it, it came to a head, and it, and he was not very good whatsoever defensively at third. Negative seven outs above average, negative eleven DRS. Those are pretty low numbers. Now. If you're just looking to get someone to play third base, I'm not going to stand in your way. We don't have anyone in my eyes right now, so go for it. But 
what price would you pay to bring in a shorter term option? Because this is a trade. This is not free agency. What would you give up for a shorter term option at third base, knowing that his defensive numbers have gotten worse in each of the last four seasons? They have declined. Really, I guess technically each of the last five, they've taken a step backwards, even if it's slightly from year to year. And I know third, like defense doesn't matter to some people and we need offense very badly. And this dude can hit a little bit. Okay. I totally get it. And that's fine. That's fine. I'm okay to bring in literally any major league bat because we have not done that yet this off season. But in the same breath, man, I don't know what I'm giving up for that. I don't know what I'm giving up for Eduardo Escobar currently at 34 years old to come play third for a year or two and play a bad defensive third base and have, what, an OPS in the mid-700s? Yeah, that I mean, that would have led the team last year. Again, I, I understand this team desperately needs offensive help, but I, I, I don't think I'm punting – not punting, but I, I don't think I'm selling off or mortgaging too much of the future on it. Maybe you, you give one of the the – mid-tier young pitchers that you have? I don't know, like Garrett Hill and maybe another lower down prospect. But then at, then at what point are they laughing at you? Are they like, no, we're not getting rid of a guy who's a guaranteed 20-plus homers for, for Garrett Hill? I, I think the interest is, is, is fine, and that's great. And I'm glad that we're actually looking around the league to, to add – like we, we know for a fact now between Segura and Escobar that this team is actually making calls about getting better offensively at the major league level. That's great. But is, is the fit really there between the, the compatibility of a trade, not the fit of him on this team? Obviously, uh, again, I'm not going to be a broken record. We could use the hitting. But is the trade compatibility there? I'm not getting rid of any like legitimate high end. Like I think this dude could be really good at the major league level someday prospect for Eduardo Escobar. I'm not, that's not happening. But I mean, if they're just going to give them away once they get Correa, then like, yeah, throw your hat in the ring and see if you can get them for some C level prospects, I guess. But this organization has a lot of, like B-level prospects. And that's why it's just like a fine line. They don't they don't have the top heavy, a ton of like A-plus level guys like they had a few years ago. But it's not all just like D-level prospects either. They just have a lot of like better than C prospects in there. And I'm, I'm not sure how many of those I'm willing to give up for a, a 34-year-old Eduardo Escobar. But again, a- any help at the major league level is great. And I'm all for. So I guess that's my question to everybody. It's just like, what are you, what are you really, really willing to give up for that? I, I understand the, the somewhat desperation uh, to, to add to this major league product. I understand the desperation to, to not have the worst offense we've ever seen with our own two eyes again for the second year in a row. Uh, I, I get it. And I would welcome Escobar. He's a good ball player. 
And uh, again, I, I would, I am dying for just some two or three win players, and that's exactly what he is. But I, I, I don't trade compatibility for like that caliber of player is really weird with the Detroit Tigers. What do the Mets need? What do the Mets want from us? That isn't one of our top end guys that I'm not going to be willing to get rid of for a 34 year old third baseman with bad defense. Let me know. Open discussion. Very much an open discussion. All right. I think that's it. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports. Sorry, the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, just like us, baby. Okay, I think that's everything. Let me make sure none of these Twitter notifications are a trade we made. Nope, they're not. Okay, peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you all on Monday. We are going to look at some projections. I know that a week ago I said I hated them, and I do. I I think zips and steamer projections are really stupid, and I'm – I I, I just – I'm not a big projections guy. I think it's just – whatever. We'll get into it during the episode, but when those do drop for the entire Tigers team – we will probably take a look at those and talk about the possibility of, of those happening for some individual players, okay? Because that's the talk of the town at the moment. Then later in the offseason, we'll have Pakoda. That's always a show. I've done that for a couple of years now when the Pakoda rankings drop. Uh, we talk about those are like standings projections based on numbers that are crunched, so we'll talk about the likelihood of those happening. Nice conversations coming up, so stay tuned for those. And then, obviously, the Tigers make a move. You will hear it here first. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. And I'll catch you on Monday, baby. Have a great weekend. Go Tigers.